0: their companions behind the scenes would gather together. They had a nickname, which they gave to wine. And the nickname which they gave to wine, which they received from the Imams, was Abdu'l Nur, or Servant of the Light. And they would gather together, and they would partake in a brotherly ritual, and they would consume alcohol. brothers and sisters and Rahim Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad al-Imam al-Mahdiina wa sallam taslima assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh my dear brother Giam
1: wa alaykum assalam wa rahmatullahi
0: wa barakatuh my father it's so good to have you here it's good to be here thank you so today we want to talk about a sensitive topic uh, but it really shouldn't be sensitive no topic should be uh, taboo uh, when it comes to religion and that is the topic about the permissibility of alcohol uh, wines and other than wine Uh, is it a good thing is it a bad thing is it permissible is it not permissible and in order to answer that question we have to look through all of the three religions judaism christianity and islam and take a journey uh, down the line of the prophets and the messengers from adam's time all the way till today, and highlight the Torah, the New Testament, the Bible, and uh, the Koran. Um, yes. Now, we know that uh, there's a difference of opinion now uh, between these three religions uh, when it comes to alcohol. Uh, in Judaism and in Christianity, it's permissible to drink. But in Islam, it's totally not permissible, and uh, Muslims have a very negative view uh, towards alcohol. But why is this the case? One, the Quran validates the previous books, as we have stated in so many episodes before. When we go look at the history uh, of alcohol, starting from the, the time of Adam all the way down, we find that The source of wine and alcohol is the fermented fruits, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so in the beginning, God gave these plants, as we stated in the last episode, those plants which have fruits that have seeds in them uh, for Adam and his children uh, to use and to consume in whichever way that they saw fit. He didn't place limitations on them. And so, Adam, it was made permissible. There was no law that was brought down to Adam in the beginning that stated that he should not drink. Uh, The only uh, things that were told to Adam uh, in the very beginning was that he should not approach the tree and that he should uh, be fruitful and multiply. There were no other commandments that were given to him. We find then in Genesis... Uh, later on, a in Udi prophet, the first of the Udi Rasim prophets, Noah, we find that he is uh, after the ark, uh, you know, safely lands after the flood, you know, and docks. We find that uh, Noah begins to um, create wine, and we find that he becomes drunk, actually, off of wine. Uh, in one account. And he passes out uh, in front of his children. And uh, it states that that one of them sees their father's nakedness, uh, which this is a whole other topic to explain yes. later. Uh, but the point is, is that we do have documented in the Hebrew Bible that an Uli L'azmi prophet, and that was Noah, was consuming wine and becoming drunk. So he's consuming it and all the way to the point of, of uh, being totally intoxicated by it. Yes. Uh, we find later on in the Bible uh, we find that uh, Abraham is meeting with a high priest of the Lord, and that is uh, Melchizedek. And uh, Melchizedek is the is the it seems to be the Hujja over Abraham, and he actually anoints uh, Abraham. And uh, at one point, when he's uh, with Abraham, he brings forth some food and some wine so that him and Abraham can have it. And so Abraham partakes in the drinking of wine as well. Mm-hmm. We also have in the Hebrew Bible uh, that uh, Lot, the the relative of Abraham, and who was living with him at the same time, and Abraham's vice we find that he also, in an incident, uh, is given wine to drink by his daughters. And he partakes in that on uh, two nights, uh, two consecutive nights, mm. uh, we we find later on that with the coming of another ulilazim prophet, and that is Moses, that it is actually his jurisprudence permits uh, openly uh, the uh, the consumption of wine, and actually wine in some of the jurisprudence is uh, acceptable as an offering uh, to the Lord. And we find that a whole series of prophets and messengers that came after Moses, they also uh, partook in the consumption of wine. Uh, They praised wine. Uh, They wrote songs about wine, uh, like Solomon, uh, like David. And uh, in almost every single prophet's writings that came after Moses uh, from the Bani Israel, we find that each and every one of them uh, mentions wine. Almost each and every one of them mentions wine. Uh, In some way, shape, or form. Um, We have Isaiah, his book mentions wine. Uh, We have Nehemiah, his book mentions wine. Zechariah's book mentions wine. Haggai's book mentions wine. Zephaniah mentions wine. Mm. And And so you can't escape this reality of the existence of wine on the tongues of the uh, prophets and the messengers. Uh, they partook in it. Uh, they drank from it. They didn't consider it ever at any moment in time to be uh, prohibited, uh, although they did recognize uh, that um, it did, there were some negative aspects to it. This is something that they did recognize. And there are words from the prophets and the messengers like Isaiah and other than them that would condemn people uh, whose sole purpose was to wake up early in the morning in order that Mm -hmm. they go find a drink and that they remain in a drunken stupor uh, the whole time. Uh, Mm -hmm. We do also find that the Israelites... Uh, when, there would, when they would make a Nazar, a promise to God, or uh, you know, in order to do something, to sacrifice something in order to get closer uh, to God, um, you know, or to give a promise in order that another uh, thing that they want to be fulfilled by God, now this is called a Nazar in both Judaism and Islam. Uh, we find that sometimes their Nazar would be that they would abstain from alcohol or from wine or not drink it for uh, their, their entire life. And for, for alcohol, then, within Judaism and Christianity, was, was, was a substance that was never prohibited. It was permissible. And the prophets and the messengers did partake in it. And they partook in it to such a degree that uh, sometimes they would uh, become uh, drunk Um, But at the same time, it was not something that every Israelite had to partake in. And there was a conscious awareness of the fact that, um, you know, people did behave or could become addicted to it or could behave sometimes in a way that is contrary uh, to uh, Mm -hmm. what God likes. And uh, we find also that God... Um, You know, at the time of Moses, we have Aaron, for example, who is a priest and he's uh, required, um, you know, to go inside uh, the, you know, in the the tent meeting, the meeting of the tent. and, and, And that's the area where the spirit of the Lord uh, would dwell, so they had this tent set up, and in the tent they had the Ark of the Covenant, and and that's where the uh, spirit would dwell. Not everybody could go inside this area; it was it was uh, kind of forbidden or haram that any of the normal. Uh, Israelites go in only people whom God had specifically gave permission to a priest who was divinely appointed uh, by him uh, could approach and and uh, God tells uh, Aaron uh, and he makes it very clear that Aaron can never drink wine when he's in the presence of God when he enters into the tent he can never uh, be in a state where he had drunk wine because, God says, then uh, it would cloud his judgment. He would not be able to tell the clean from the unclean, the holy from the unholy. So uh, while God permitted it uh, as something that the Israelites could partake in and every mm-hmm. other prophet that came before them, they could never uh, be in the presence of God uh, while they were intoxicated or while they had uh, consumed this drink. Yes. Okay. That's clear. It's very clear. Now we come to Christianity and we have Jesus. And Jesus uh, is known. He's actually really famous for his relationship uh, with wine. Mm -hmm. And you grew up as a Christian, right? Yes. What denomination were you? Uh,
1: Catholic. Catholic? Yes. And you went to church regularly? Went to church. And uh, in the church, they even give you wine, to not to the the kids, but to the adults. Oh, wow. They give you wine in the church, actually. Yes. Okay. Okay. Let's let's hold
0: on. Hold on. Let's first, let's have you tell the audience now, what are the incidents
1: that are mentioned in the New Testament that involve Jesus and wine? So, yes, we see that in the New Testament, um, one of the first miracles, or even the, f- the first miracle recorded in the Gospel uh, from Jesus is when He transformed the, the water into wine. And it happened in, the, in a wedding, where uh, it's not just one glass of wine, but the people have drank the whole lot of wine that was uh, available. And then they asked Jesus to... They say, oh, we don't have wine anymore. His mother, salam, uh, she, she, she asked him to, to do something. And then Jesus Christ, uh, peace is from him. He, he tells his disciple to go and to, 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 to bring the water. And then uh, he transformed the, the water into, into wine. Oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yes. So
0: there's a big wedding happening. The people are partying they're in good spirits they're having fun they're laughing they're drinking together they're celebrating uh, this marriage that's taken place but they run out of wine and uh, jesus doesn't want that the party ends he wants that this good mood continue and the festivities continue for the night and he does this yes okay wow Okay,
1: so what's the next incident? So the, for sure, the 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 end. So that was the beginning of his ministry, and at the end of his ministry, we we find again this uh, this uh, supper where he is with this disciple, and it's called the Last Supper. And uh, so it's recorded in the gospel, in the known gospel, um, the canonical gospel, as a, um, let's say it was a meal, and Jesus take the bread. And the wine, which are the symbols, or today um, as the, the he says uh, that the bread is his body and the wine his is his blood. So they are the symbol, uh, if we just read it in the apparent, just the symbol as the, the body and the, the blood of Christ. And so he breaks the bread, he gives it to his disciples, and uh, he drink the wine and he passed the, the, the wine to all his disciples. So yeah, they were drinking with Jesus. So it's not something that seems okay, to be Okay
0: so so his ministry starts off like you mentioned uh with an incident where Jesus is uh you know partaking in wine and and serving it mm. and his ministry ends also uh with him drinking with his disciples wine. Yes. Okay. And then from that the Catholics uh they continue uh, carrying on this ritual, right? Yes. So every
1: every day actually they do that and every Sunday at least they have this whole community uh, mass where the they come and everybody's invited to take this small bread uh, which is the the body of Christ and uh, to drink a bit of of wine it's not like getting drunk but they they have this uh, it's like a ceremony so wine is something sacred actually
0: okay so um, now now uh it, wine basically transforms from Judaism in Christianity to becoming a part of a ritual to be becoming part of a prayer, right? Yes. And uh, it becomes a very vital and important part uh, of the faith. Yes. And then we have in Islam, we have a prohibition that takes place, okay? Yes. And what happens in the time period of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam does not match at all uh, what takes place from Adam's time all the way down. Muhammad's prohibition of alcohol is so out of the ordinary uh, for what has taken place before. And I think Muslims get this confused. And most Muslims, they think, they just automatically assume that because God made it haram for for, uh, Muslims and for Muhammad Mm. Uh then therefore, if it was part of Muhammad's Haram, then it must have been Haram for all of the prophets and the messengers. And they come to this conclusion uh, for a couple reasons. Uh, because wine, alcohol is described as being an impurity, okay, something which is impure, yes. and it's likened to um, the the flesh of, of swine, okay, mm. or the eating the consumption of of the pig. Yes. And so they they say to themselves, this, and the scholars they come to their conclusions. They ponder over things and they just add 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 their own uh, thoughts on top of things. So they 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 say, okay, well, um, if it's an impurity and the prophets and the messengers are pure, then they would have never consumed it. And because also they know uh, from verses in the Quran that state that there were. Uh, corruptions that took place in the the Bible Mm -hmm. and in the New Testament. So they automatically assume uh, that anything that states that a prophet or a messenger engaged in the drinking of alcohol, that this would have been a corruption.
1: So they deny the whole uh, evidences of the yeah. They or, deny yeah.
0: all of the evidence, and it is way too much and way too frequent uh, to mm-hmm. deny. And uh, when a person looks at it, um, the evidence actually piles up so strongly, uh, you know. And 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 it's really kind of hard to make that case that every place where the prophets and the messengers um you know we're drinking wine that it was a corruption for the simple fact that one archaeology is against that and the archeological uh, evidence and historical evidence proves that uh, these ancient israelites and the people that were uh, following these religions in the past uh, they actually were consuming alcohol these communities were they didn't uh, forbid it during those uh, time periods yeah. um and Uh, Also, the frequency of it being in the text, you would have to uh, deny uh, gigantic portions uh, of the Hebrew Bible and the New Testament. You'd have to rewrite uh, the entire thing now for it to even make sense uh, because there's poetry that's involved. And when you take out uh, the wine, uh, then you'd have to take out the whole sentence and you'd have to restructure uh, the entire. You'd have to rewrite, basically, uh, the Bible uh, and it wouldn't really make sense. And uh, there are uh, other reasons uh, that we're going to come to in Islam, while that why why that is an incorrect conclusion that the uh, non-working uh, scholars uh, reached. But first, let's explore what happened during the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Initially, uh, it's not forbidden, and there are followers that are existing. There's people, uh, fellow. Uh, Arabs and non Arabs that are in the region, Jews also, uh, and they are uh, consuming alcohol. And they are followers of Abrahamic faiths. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are uh, followers of the Abrahamic religion, Din al Hanif. And you also have Christians that are existing at the same time period. And you also have Jews that are existing at the same time period. It was a normal thing to consume alcohol, but things were getting out of control. And uh, there was a lot of prostitution that was going on. And the Arabs uh, were in a state of complete ignorance. And there was a lot of tribal warfare that was taking place uh, between them. And uh, there were killings that were taking place. And they were even murdering Uh, their own daughters Uh, so their thinking uh, was very basic it was very archaic Um, and they were worshiping idols that were made out of sticks and stones and uh, uh, many of them would be constantly in a state of drunkenness rarely would you see these individuals sober Uh, they would not many of them would not even be sober long enough to even understand uh what their uh, fellow family members were trying to tell them let alone uh comprehend the message that the uh, prophet muhammad uh, came with and it is even recorded that they would come to prayer in a state of drunkenness so even mm. the people that accepted islam they would come to uh to the mosque and they would pray uh behind the prophet muhammad while they were while they were drunk and for that reason uh, the verse came down which says and do not approach prayer while you are drunk one could read another reason uh, behind uh, this verse and we know that every verse in the quran has in uh, has uh, you know up to 70 meanings according to one tradition yes. and and in reality they had there's infinite meanings that could be extracted uh, from the uh, words of god and so we do know that the Al bait in the traditions, uh, they stated, uh, they said, and we are the prayer, mm. uh, meaning uh, the ahl bayt the proofs of God, uh, are the prayer. Yes. ahl hasan said, Imam al-Mahdi is the fajr prayer. He's the true meaning. The true meaning behind upholding the prayers is the wilayah of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. This is what the imams uh, stated. Yes. and 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 so the person who prays the physical prayer but does not know the Imam of his time does not have wilayah he does not have a prayer that's accepted mm. and a person who doesn't physically pray but has the wilayah of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad he takes them as their guide as their Imam then this is a true uh, believer even if he doesn't pray right? because the, the, the Imam said that there's Uh, The wilayah of Ali ibn Abi Talib and his sons is a good deed that no bad deed could harm. And the wilayah of his enemies, to take his enemies as imams, is a bad deed that no good deed uh, could benefit. So if you're taking a false imam as a guide and you're following them, Mm -hmm. uh, no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you give zakat, no matter how much you make pilgrimage, it will never uh, benefit you. And so Imam al-Mahdi, he is the Fajr prayer. And uh, each one of the, the Mahdis is a prayer from the prayers. That's the true meaning behind it. And so if we take this meaning that Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, their wilaya, them themselves, are the true prayers, and apply it to that verse, then do not approach prayer while you are intoxicated. All of a sudden it becomes what? It becomes don't approach the prophet Muhammad while you are intoxicated. That yes. this is the sin. Mm-hmm. Muhammad ﷺ was God in creation. Muhammad وآله, he was the perfect manifestation of the divine traits and characteristics of God. He was the walking quran muhammad was the perfect most complete human being and the perfect caliph of god his walking around was the walking around of god him coming and going was the coming and going of god him speaking was the speech of god because muhammad according to all muslims Does not speak from his own self. Even the Quran testifies. So anything that comes out of his mouth. Is a constant divine inspiration. And so therefore it makes sense now. And it's actually not a different ruling. It's the same ruling. That just like God told Aaron uh, before. That he could never go into the tent of the meeting. right, And be in the presence of the spirit of God. Uh, while he had drunk or been in a state of intoxication or even had a sip of the wine, the same thing would apply over here that the walking Ark of the Covenant uh, and certainly the body and the flesh of Muhammad uh, uh, and his heart are more holy and a holier place for the will of God uh, to manifest in the Spirit of God uh, to speak from uh, than the Ark of the Covenant then it also would have been equally haram if not more haram to be around the prophet muhammad uh, which is the walking spirit of god and the and the uh, you know uh, the walking ark of the covenant it would have been forbidden for for people to be in his presence while they are in a state of intoxication why because over here god told aaron that if he did so, he would be clouded. He wouldn't be able to tell the holy from the unholy. Mm. Same thing over here. If they're drunk and the prophet's giving them a commandment, they might think that something that he's saying is evil when mm. really it's holy. And if Aaron would have walked the, to the tent while he was in a state of drunkenness, he could have also thought that an encounter, a voice, a, a uh, command from God to him, he could have perceived it as an evil one uh, rather than a holy one. And so he could have gotten confused, same thing over here. So in order that they receive the word of the prophet Muhammad or the word of God through him, uh, they cannot approach prayer, they cannot approach God, they cannot approach the prophet while they are uh, intoxicated. Mm -hmm. And so this prohibition was put into place. And during the life of the Prophet Muhammad, none of the Muslims were allowed to consume alcohol. They couldn't do it. It was forbidden. Just like uh, the prohibition that took place in America, where you had in the beginning, they were all drinking and they came from Europe and they'd been drinking normally for many years before that. And then a certain time period comes where society over there deemed that the behavior of the human beings while they were on this substance uh, was not beneficial to society as a large, as a whole. And so they have to stop it. They have to control it. Same thing happens over here. Uh, all from the, the times of the prophets and the messengers. They're using it in the time of the Prophet Muhammad. The ignorance is huge. And the Prophet Muhammad is great, and there's a great message that needs to be delivered uh, to a people whom cannot handle it. And so uh, they have to the, that prohibition has to be put into place. Okay. But does this prohibition last forever? Does this prohibition last for all times? And is is wine evil? by nature, or unclean and impure by nature. Uh, For that, we cannot take the words of the scholars for it. We don't want to hear anything that they have to say if they're not appointed by God. What we Mm. need to do is to ask Muhammad and the family of Muhammad about wine. And that's exactly uh, what we do when we go to their narrations. And what we find in there is something extremely interesting. One, we find that in paradise God creates as a reward rivers of honey rivers of milk and rivers of wine Mm -hmm. and so in this place heaven in which there is no evil only purity exists there's no impurity that is there we find that wine is in that place of uh, purity and some people might say, oh, but it's just allegorical. It's not real physical wine uh, that's over there. Well, they, they haven't been to heaven to give us this conclusion, have they? Yes. You know, We've got to go off of uh, just the words of God and the words of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad. And even if it was allegorical and it wasn't physical uh, rivers of wine, if wine was something that was evil, then God wouldn't use it uh, as an allegory for something else which is in heaven woody mm. you know? mm. we don't hear him using swine as an allegory we don't use a, we don't we don't have him using other unclean things mm. and we find also uh, so that's 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 something which is really important is that in the in the hereafter you have this uh, river of wine uh, that's that's over there and it's like a reward for uh, people but another thing you know, is that Muhammad and the family of Muhammad in their hadith uh, that they have with their close companions, they actually reveal that mm-hmm. there is another meaning behind the verses that mention wine uh, in the Qur'an. And that wine is a code word for something else. When, when the Qur'an is speaking about wine, and when, when it's forbidding wine from the people... When it's claiming that wine is an impurity or unclean, it's not even talking about wine. Uh, Imam al-Sadiq and, and the imams from the Ahlul Bayt, they say that the true meaning, just like the true meaning behind prayer, is the imams of guidance, that wine and swine and those things which are mentioned in gambling, uh, those things that are mentioned as being from the shaitan. Those things are actually allegories, code words for the imams of misguidance. Mm -hmm. They're they're code words for the Pharaoh and the Nimrod and the Haman of the time of the Prophet Muhammad. They are code words for Abu Bakr and Omar and Uthman and the enemies uh, of the Ahlul Bayt, And there's a verse from the Quran which states, um, you know, this is this is uh, uh, you know an example that I'll just give you to clarify to you this fact. So there's a there's a hadith uh, from the Ethibate which is doing an interpretation. The Imam is interpreting a verse uh, from the Quran uh, which states, وَحَبَّبَ whabba uh, biilaykom aliman, zayinahu uh, fi and he made beloved to you faith and adorned it in your hearts. وقرح اليكم الكفر والفسوق والعصيان اولئك هم الراشدون and he made hateful for you disbelief and immorality and disobedience those are the rashidun Rashidun means rightly guided. Rightly guided is a word, Rashidun, uh, which, is, which is used to describe the Khulafat, the four rightly guided caliphs after uh, the Prophet Muhammad, which is Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, and Ali ibn Abi Tal. So what the Imam does here is he says that the real interpretation of the verse is that these four things, Iman, faith, kufr, disbelief, fusuq, immorality, and asyan, which is disobedience. That these four things are actually code words for the four rightly guided caliphs. And that faith is Ali ibn Abi Talib. Kufr, disbelief, is Abu Bakr. Right? And Bakr and Kufr, they kind of uh, mm-hmm. have the same amount of letters and they resemble each other. Uh, the Umar, which they call Umar al-Faruq, yes. uh, here they're saying that al-Fusuq is a reference to Umar. And Asian is a reference to mm-hmm. Okay. So Ali ibn Abi Talib is faith. Uh, Abu Bakr is, is disbelief. is uh, Umar is immorality. And the
1: Uthman is disobedience. From Abdurrahman ibn Umar, from Abba Abdullah, peace and blessing upon him, on God saying, Allah has made beloved to you faith and adorned it in your heart, meaning the prince of the believers, peace and blessing upon him, and has made hateful to you disbelief, immorality, and disobedience, the first and second and third. And so that changes the entire understanding
0: uh, of the verse. In yes. that same way, in that same fashion, the, the verses which are talking about uh, the, the blood, not to consume blood, not to consume wine, not to consume uh, pig, uh, not to gamble, that these are also all allegories for the enemies and the imams of misguidance and the non-working scholars in every day and age okay that they are what is unclean they are the manifestation of impurity you take that alongside with the existence and these hadiths exist i didn't write them that's what's what's present And we're just investigating them and asking our viewers to investigate, uh, like detectives, to put out the map. The fact that it was always allowed permissible from Adam's time until now. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, and he's really involved in it. And then it becomes prohibited, you know, a little bit into the dawah of the Prophet Muhammad. So there was a period where it was allowed. And then it becomes not allowed. Mm -hmm. But they are also at the same time existing uh, rivers of, of wine that are in paradise so how could it be at the same time that we have hadith from the ahl that are mentioning that uh, you know these things are, are not really talking about your physical wine it's talking about something else and that is the uh, scholars of misguidance and also adding to that secret Gnostic texts and secret Gnostic sayings from the al-Bayt salam each one of the Imams would have these close companions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Prophet Muhammad, Ali ibn Abi Talib, they would have close companions like Abu Dar, Megdad, Salman. And one of them was asked one day, you know, what would you do if you saw Ali ibn Abi Talib drinking wine? So a companion that was at the eighth level of faith responds and he says, I would ask him about the halal and the haram. That's what I would do. So if they come and they see the imam and he's sitting there and he's drinking alcohol, that person who's at that level of faith would say, Oh, Ali bin Abi Talib, I'm not going to disbelieve in you right away. But I have a question. Like, didn't the Prophet say that this was haram? Why are you drinking it? Salman was asked the same question. And he was at a level of 10. And he was from us at bayt. And his response was, immediately, I would sit down and I would drink with him. Okay? Yes. So he would be in a state of automatic submission. And in this hadith, it also shows that Salman recognizes that alcohol could become permissible again. And Salman recognizes that it is the imams, the successors of Muhammad, who have the ability to bring it back and make it uh, halal again. And then we find that in the lives of other companions, of other, the, the lives of the companions that came with the imams that were the successors of Ali ibn Abi Talib, like... Uh, in the life of Jabir Jafi, who is a, a companion of Imam al-Baqar, or Mufaddal ibn Umar, who is a companion of Imam al and Imam al-Sadiq, and others. We find that these companions narrate in many traditions that were always kept secret and safeguarded uh, by particular sects in Islam, uh, Shia sects usually that, that uh, followed them, and didn't follow uh, the masses, and they also didn't make these teachings public uh, for many, many years. They kept them very safeguarded and secret uh, because they knew that they would get a lot of backlash from uh, the the larger, wider Muslim community who would accuse them of being uh, disbelievers. These narrations state that uh, the companions behind the scenes would gather together and that they had a nickname which they gave to wine and the nickname which they gave to wine which they received from the imams was Abdu'l nur or servant of the light this is the name that they gave to to wine Uh, and they would gather together and they would partake in a brotherly ritual where very much like the disciples of Jesus at the Last Supper, they would sit together, they would reminisce about their master, they would think about the imam of their time, and sometimes it would take place with the imam of the time, and they would consume alcohol, or drink the abdunur, or drink the wine together. And in some traditions, maybe the imam wasn't there, but he would manifest suddenly, Uh, amongst them after they had uh, drunk the wine and the imam would tell them things such as its meaning would be basically that because they are true shia and because they understood, and I'm paraphrasing here and giving you the the meaning of these very long uh, traditions, uh, because they reached the state of loving one another like true family, because their hearts became free of hatred, their their minds became completed uh, because their faith had reached the highest level of faith uh, that was possible, because they had no envy uh, in their hearts. Abdu'l-Nur was permissible for them, whereas it's not permissible for the shortcomers, the people who who don't really have complete faith or full faith, for those, uh, those people that their hearts are still filled with hatred and ignorance and envy, and that if they drank the wine, they would fight with one another or it would cause problems. For these people who their intellect is complete, the alcohol has no... Uh, um, no bad effect on them. It only has a good effect. So the Shia, when the Quran states that wine has in it some benefits, but its harm is more than its benefits, is because all those people that their intellect and their faith is not complete, they would only take from the wine the harm. Mm -hmm. As to where those who their intellect is complete, like the prophets and the messengers, they would only take from the consumption of the wine that which is beneficial. Yes. That which is impure, that which is bad, goes to that which is bad and that which is impure. The, the negative things of alcohol will go to the people that have negative things in their hearts. And the people that have positive things in their hearts and that are like children and have full faith, they would receive from the wine or the alcohol, that feeling of love, that feeling of bonding, uh, that enlightenment that can occur from the consumption of moderate levels of, of wine when in the presence of an imam or in the presence of, uh, of their brothers. And so from these traditions, assuming that now the whole picture and every, all the information that we have, because there's a lot of these narrations, just like there's a lot of the verses in the in the Bible, um, and when we look at it and we assume that okay, no, there's something to this this grand picture. What we find here is that the wine was made forbidden for all those whom uh, were shortcomers, but in reality, behind the scenes, the true Shia were given permission by God to continue to live in a state of paradise and to join the ranks as the previous prophets and messengers and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would never make haram for the believers and companions of Muhammad, something which he made halal for the companions of Jesus and Abraham and Moses and the rest of the prophets and the messengers. And so he grants them uh, this ability to do this, but he tells them, you know, that they must conceal it and be in a state of takaya and don't tell the others because the others are not going to understand it mm. and the others are going to persecute them for the consumption of alcohol and, uh, you know, basically would, would, um, you know, call, you know, call them disbelievers. And finally uh we come to the question and that is will wine become permissible in the future and i think that the answer is extremely clear and it is in absolute yes so that it will be in the time of the qaim openly permissible and the reason for that was already stated uh, in the narrations of Muhammad and the family of Muhammad, for all those who go back to their words and take their words, not the words of the of the scholars. Uh, because the permissibility of wine was part of the sharia of the former prophets and the messengers. And we have traditions that the scholars know about, and spoke about before, that when the cotton comes, he rules by the jurisprudence of Adam. Yes. He rules by the jurisprudence of Abraham. He rules by the jurisprudence of Moses and of Jesus and of Muhammad. Peace and blessings be upon them. And that jurisprudence of these Previous prophets and messengers allowed and made permissible the consumption uh, of wine and alcohol. And so, therefore, this is one of the things that they call him is going to do after clarifying it to the people. And inshallah, it's been clarified uh, pretty well today. Yes. And uh, the consumption uh, of wine uh, is made uh, permissible. Uh, for those people whom their intellect and their hearts uh, are complete, thank you so much for bearing with me and for for being here with me. Thank you so much, Father. It was a pleasure. God bless you. The honor is mine. Thank you so much. Thank you, Father. Salam. Alaikum Salam.